When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, McFly! I thought I told you never to come in here. But what are you, blind, McFly? Are you deaf, McFly? Don't be so gullible, McFly. What kind of stupid name is that? So what's it to you, butthead? McFly, your shoes untied. All right, punk. Loser with a capital L. You chicken? What's wrong, dude? You yellow? What's wrong, McFly? Chicken? So why don't you make like a tree? Say hi to your mom for me. Hello, and welcome to Who Will Say Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier Host, and I'm very excited to be back with our third format of the show that we have recently added to the podcast. Games like Mario Brothers, Joust, and of course Galaga had small mini-games built in to give its players a quick change of pace during the game to keep things interesting. So that's what this is, a short version of the podcast that we can release in between regular episodes of the show and the home games, where it's just the listeners versus the podcast to see how many points you can get. No prizes, no ranks, just a quick minigame to satisfy the nostalgic itch for the pop culture of Generation X. We will also use this time to solve power struggles from previous episodes, as well as giving you a chance to help save Generation X from being forgotten in a special guest host segment of the show. More on that in a moment, but for now, let's get right to the game that we call Who Will Save Generation X? Challenging Stage. Here's how the game works. We will have three fast-paced rounds of games to play and score points. In round three, we have a special guest host take over the show and quiz me for five questions. If you can get more correct than I can, then you are invited to use our website voicemail system, email, or social media to mock me endlessly. Is that right, judges? They get to make fun. Okay, they get to make fun of me. Or better yet, use that voicemail to call in and take over as host for a moment and ask me a trivia question that we can use on an upcoming episode. Just go to our website and click on the blue microphone icon and leave us a trivia question. It's 100% free to use, and we would love to hear your voice on the show. Even if you leave us just one question, that would be rad. But you're welcome to ask us as many as you would like. Be quiet. I order you to be quiet. So let's get going and save Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. Round one today is a game called In a World Coming Soon. In a World Coming Soon. In this game, I'll play selected parts of a movie trailer from a Generation X movie, and you need to tell me which movie it was a preview for. There are clips from three movies, and you'll get two points for each movie you can name without a hint. However, if you need the hint, then you'll be awarded one point for each that you can name correctly. Here's movie one for two points if you can name it correctly right now. Otto is a man of many talents. Hey, great fish. Ken is a man of few words. Tell him from me. And Wanda Do you speak Italian? is the woman they love. They all set out to commit the perfect crime. But it turned into something. George moved the loot? Less than perfect. Disappointed! So they turned to a lawyer named Archie Leash. Leach. With Wanda as the bait, he's really hooked. I'm really, really sorry. I apologize unreservedly. 
Are you totally deranged? You're afraid so, old chap. Here are the hints. Remember, if you get the correct answer with assistance from the hints, then it is worth only one point. The hints are that this is a comedy crime film from 1988. It was rated R. The title is four words long and contains a person's name and a type of animal. Got it? Here's the reveal. John Cleese. Will you leave immediately, please? Jamie Lee Curtis. Kiss me there. Kevin Klein. Put the other one up. Michael Palin. May I kiss you, Ken? No, you can't! A fish called Wanda. <laughs> a smashing. Oh, dear. Comedy. Fun fact. In 1989, when this movie was shown in theaters in Denmark, a Danish man literally laughed himself to death during the scene where Michael Palin's character, Ken, gets french fries stuck up his nose. The man's heart rate went between 250 and 500 beats per minute, and he eventually succumbed to cardiac arrest. Okay, maybe that wasn't really a fun fact, but if you're going to have a heart attack and die, then doing it while watching a rad 80s comedy is a good way to go. This guy wins. The story has become a bit of an urban legend in Denmark, and John Cleese considered using the event for publicity, but ultimately decided it was in too bad taste. You can't buy publicity like this! Now on to movie two. Here is the trailer for Two Points. The world had been through a trial by fire, and only the greatest warriors and their deadliest enemies emerged from the flames. He was the one they called mad. But he's just a raggedy man. But to those whose lives hung in the balance, he was the one they called Hero. And now your one-point hint. This movie from 1985 was an action, sci-fi, adventure flick where two men enter and one man leaves. Here's the reveal. Mel Gibson. Tina Turner. Mad Max. Beyond Thunderdome. Here's your fun fact. If this movie feels different from the others in the franchise to you, then that's with good reason. The film was originally not a Mad Max film, but a post-apocalyptic Lord of the Flies type film about a tribe of children who are found by an adult. When director George Miller suggested that Max is the man who finds the children, it suddenly became the third Mad Max movie. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. And the last movie for In a World Coming Soon is worth two points if you can get it right here. I grew up in a tough neighborhood. Sometimes the reputation follows you. There is violence in Chicago, of course, but not by me and not by anybody I employ. And I'll tell you why, because it's not good business. I have sworn to put this man away with any and all legal means at my disposal, and I will do so. Everybody knows where the booze is. The problem isn't finding it. Let's do some good! The problem is who wants to cross the pond. Somebody messes with me, I'm gonna mess with him. <laughs> well, what's the matter? Can't you talk with a gun in your mouth? You're not to prove your methods. Yeah? Well, you're not from Chicago. Here's your one-point hint if you need it. Movie 3 is from 1987, and IMDb calls this a crime drama thriller. Your final hint is that this movie is presumably MC Hammer's all-time favorite movie. You can't touch this. Here's the reveal. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Paramount Pictures presents a Brian De Palma film. 
the untouchables. We said presumably. You know, it's not a fact. But this one is a fun fact. The Untouchables is the correct answer. Many creative liberties were taken by the movie. There was lots of action and intrigue in the movie portraying Elliot Ness as a popular hero of the day, taking down Al Capone and upholding the laws of prohibition. However, in real life, Al Capone had a non-violence order to his men concerning the Untouchables. While Capone did repeatedly attempt to buy them off, he never once attempted to kill Elliot Ness or any of his men. Elliot Ness was largely forgotten about when he died, nearly penniless, with a drinking problem, and without mention in the Chicago papers. So I guess it was a good thing that Brian De Palma spiced things up a bit with his historical embellishments. Otherwise, this movie would have been about as exciting as watching Geraldo open Al Capone's vault. It seems, at least up to now, that we've struck out with the vault. I'm disappointed about that, as I'm sure you are. This is one time in my life that a pot of gold would have been a lot more fun than uh, chasing the rainbows. Round two. Round two of this episode is our Spotlight Trivia Round. We will dive into one Gen X topic to quiz you on. Each complete correct answer is worth two points if you know it outright, but if you need the hint or multiple choice, then it's worth only one point. Keep track of your score. I'll ask the questions and then circle back with the answers at the end of the round. Good luck! The Spotlight Topic this episode is the 1985 movie Back to the Future. Back to the Future is a Gen X all-time classic. It's the story of Marty McFly, a 17-year-old high school student who was accidentally sent 30 years back into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his close friend, the eccentric scientist Doc Brown. The sequels continue the time-traveling adventure into a very satisfying trilogy. The rights to the film and its sequels are owned by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. In a 2015 interview, Zemeckis maintained that no reboot or remake of the film would be authorized during his or Gale's lifetime. So... As a generation, we need to all hope and pray that Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale will live forever. Question number one. What catchphrase does Doc Brown repeat throughout the trilogy? Two points if you get it correct right now, but here's the multiple choice for one point. Does Doc Brown repeat A. Gadzooks B. Great Heavens C. Great Scott Or is it D. Great Big Balls of Greasy Grimer Gopher Guts Marty Question number two. In order to ensure that his parents get married in the future, Marty must get George to kiss Lorraine at the school dance. What is the name of the dance George and Lorraine attend in 1955? If you know it right now, it's worth two points. And here's the multiple choice for one point. Is the dance named A, Enchantment Under the Sea? B, Magic Under the Sea? C, Fascination Under the Sea? Or is it D, The Dark Arts of Witchcraft Under the Sea? Question number three. Biff Tannen is the bully in the film who might be big and strong, but is as dumb as a bag of hammers. Fill in the blank for Biff's famous line he said to bully Marty. It goes, quote, make like a tree and blank. Fill in the blank for two points. Here's your multiple choice for one point. Is it A, make like a tree and leaf? B, make like a tree and get out of here? C, make like a tree and leave? Or is it D, Make like a tree and fall in a forest where no one can hear you. Question number four. This one's a little bit tricky. Everyone knows Marty McFly likes to ride boards in these movies. But in the whole trilogy, how many different boards does Marty ride? Multiple choice for one point. Is it A, two, B, three boards, C, four, or is it D, 69? 69, dudes! And finally, question number five. 
Marty has a photograph of his siblings who slowly disappear from the picture throughout the film as they are erased from the new branch and the time continuum. What are the names of his two siblings? If you can say their names right now, then it's worth two points. But here's the hint that will score you one point if you get it right. The hint is, Marty's sister shared the same name as Sir Paul McCartney's first wife. And his brother shares the first name of the founder of the fast food chain Wendy's that we saw in commercials growing up. I started Wendy's with one restaurant and a philosophy. Give people a hamburger fixed the way they want it and don't make them wait for it. Given that, why would anyone go anyplace else? Wendy's ain't no reason to go anyplace else. Now that you had a little bit of time to think about the questions, here are the answers. Question one. What catchphrase does Doc Brown repeat throughout the trilogy? The correct answer is option C. Great Scott! I can't do a Doc Brown impression, sorry. Great Scott is the answer. I've heard this phrase many times from Superman to Doc Brown, but never knew what it means. So I looked it up. Its exact etymology is contested, but it seems most likely connected to poet Sir Walter Scott. It was a famous poem written about him on his 100th birthday that put it into popular vernacular. The poem read in part whose wild free charms he chanted forth, Great Scott. When shall we see thy like again, Great Scott? And if you don't like that, then you just don't like good poetry. I love poetry. I just thought that was Willard Scott. I was confused. (laughs) Question two, what is the name of the dance George and Lorraine attended in 1955? The correct answer, of course, is option A, Enchantment Under the Sea. Although the dark arts of witchcraft under the sea sounds like a pretty good time, too. Question three, fill in the blank for Biff's famous line, make like a tree and blank. Option B is the one that will score you the points. So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Okay, the easy ones are out of the way. The last two were a little bit tougher. Question four, how many different boards does Marty ride? The answer is B, three boards. In part one, Marty rides his own skateboard. And in 1955, he borrows a board from a boy to get away from Biff and his crew. In Back to the Future Part 2, Marty rides a hoverboard from a girl in 2015, which he also uses again in Part 3. So that's a total of three different boards. 2015 was eight years ago as of this recording, so we should have had hoverboards by now. I blame MTV. We would have a futuristic utopia if they just would have kept showing music videos full-time instead of investing so heavily in reality TV shows of dummies doing dumb things. It's your fault, MTV. I also want my jetpack and flying car and silver jumpsuit. I want my MTV. All right. Question five was, what are the names of Marty McFly's two siblings? The answers are Dave and Linda. The hints were, of course, after Dave Thomas and Linda McCartney. If you missed this one, then don't feel too bad. When I see either of those actors in my head, I don't think the names of Dave and Linda either. I think of Amy from Bosom Buddies and Jimmy Olsen from Superman. Judges, if the listener says Jimmy and Amy, will you give them a point? Mm. Sorry, listeners. I tried to help you out. Let's move on to round number three. Round three. I'm the guy who normally asks the questions, but in this segment, we're going to turn things around and have one of our listeners ask the questions to see if I can do my part to save Generation X. We had a little trouble with the connection on the call, so the audio quality is a little janky here, but we hope you can look past it and enjoy this segment. Please accept our apologies here, but it cannot be helped. This episode's special guest host has been on the podcast three times now. Please welcome guest host, Bill. Thanks for coming, Bill. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be on the podcast. When you told me that I got a chance to write some questions for you, 
I just <laughs> couldn't turn down that opportunity. So I spent all night last night crafting them up and hopefully everybody uh, enjoys the questions that I put together. I'm very nervous on what you have to ask, but let's go for it. Here's the first question. The television show Three's Company showed the American viewing public that misunderstandings between roommates can lead to 172 episodes of hilarity. During those episodes, two of the three roommates were constant. Jack, played by John Ritter, and Janet, played by Joyce DeWitt. The third roommate was a different character over the life of the series. Question for you, Jay, is what were the names of those three characters that lived with Jack and Janet? There's one of them that is very forgettable to me. Well, get the ones that you know. Well, there's Chrissy Snow. There's Terry. Terry, Chrissy, and the last one. She was like from the South. I think she was like Chrissy's cousin or something like that. Um, if her name was Chrissy and they want audiences to confuse her with Chrissy, I bet she had a name somewhat similar to it because they tried to kind of just replace her. You are thinking this properly. But the actual name is escaping my little brain. Do you want to give up on the question at this point? No, here? I never give up. All right. uh, never give up. Never surrender. Since it's kind of a popular name to make fun of people, I'll go with Karen. That is incorrect. So the third blonde roommate that you failed to, to name was uh, Cindy. Cindy! She was, she was the one in between Cindy, of course. Chrissy and Terry. Now, I also would have given credit if you had uh, called Chrissy Christmas, because Christmas is her, her actual real name. All right, I got partial. I, Give me partial. Can I have a partial? You get, you get, you get two-thirds of a point. All right. Well, you didn't say uh, how many points these are worth. They are worth one point each. Damn it. <laughs> so you have two thirds. Two thirds. I'll take it. Two thirds of a point. All right. Mr. Furley, where are we going to get the money? I don't know. Maybe you ought to get yourselves another roommate until Chrissy comes back. <sighs> another roommate. Really? That's ridiculous. That's a stupid idea. Just because an idea is stupid doesn't mean it won't work. <laughs> All right. Question two. Jay, as you know, I'm a big fan of the show The Simpsons. And in season four, episode 22, which was called. Krusty gets canceled. Krusty reveals that he used to co-own a racehorse with singer slash actor Bette Midler. What was the name of the racehorse? And this is multiple choice. A, is it Herschel? B, Crudler? C, Betty with three T's. So B-E-T-T-T-Y. Or D, I'm on a roll again. I'm on a roll again. Uh, I, I was going to just guess wind beneath my wings, but, um, that's incorrect. Obviously. I mean, there's only one that's somewhat offensive. It's the titles. Krusty gets canceled. It's gotta be uh D. So Jay, uh, that is incorrect. The mm. actual answer is B Crudler, which was a combination of Krusty and Midler, thus Crudler. So a Herschel is actually Krusty's real name. C, Betty is just something I made up. And D, I'm on a roll of gay was actually the name of Krusty the Clown's plane that mm. he crashed into on the side of a mountain when he faked his own death. <laughs> Sorry, you still have two thirds of a point after two questions. <laughs> I almost did the bet with the three T's. That's a clever one, Bill. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I yeah. think so. All right, here's one that's up your alley. I know you're going to get this one, Jay. Uh, pressure now. 
Number three, the 1992 Summer Olympics was the first time that professional athletes could participate along with the amateurs in the individual events. Obviously, the highlight of this was the 1992 USA men's basketball team, a.k.a. the Dream Team, which featured some of basketball's all-time legends, including Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and so forth. My question for you, Mr. Zabo. Christian Leitner. Who is the only non-NBA player to play on the Dream Team? Christian Leitner is the correct answer. The a-hole Christian Leitner is the correct answer. (laughs) That is the correct answer. (laughs) Bonus points for not uh, waiting for... uh... Actually, it should be minus points for being rude and not letting me finish the question. (laughs) What do you think you are? Some kind of intellectual... Don't try to prove yourself to us. <laughs> but I will give you, uh, you get the full point. So you All have right, a okay. point, one point, one point, 1.6666666 of a possible three at this point here. Okay. Hey, I'm sorry hey. for being rude on that last one. I really should have let you finish. My bad. That's okay. It, it adds to the humor of the show. Yeah, but for the listeners, they probably didn't enjoy that. (laughs) That, That's okay. They'll forgive you, too. You're saving Gen X, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. I got to be better, though. Okay. All right. Question four. Hey, I'm Vince Neal. What up, dudes? I'm Tommy Lee. And we're Motley Crue. Now get Get set set for three hours of the loudest, rudest, crudest, heaviest, meanest music around. (laughs) It's time for the Headbangers Ball. Starting in 1987. The Headbangers Ball brought two hours of heavy metal goodness to MTV viewers worldwide. The show ran from midnight to 2 a.m. for almost eight years and had many different hosts and guest hosts throughout its run. What heavy metal legend was the host of the first episode of the Headbangers Ball? And this is multiple choice. I think I know it, but go ahead. So is it A, Alice Cooper, B, Ozzy Osbourne, B, Lars Ulrich, the drummer for the band Metallica, or is it D, Lemmy Kilmister of Motorhead? If I were tuning in, I'd want to hear Lemmy's gravelly voice telling me about heavy metal music. That's my answer. Ding! That is the correct answer. Lemmy Kilmister, along with Phil the Animal Taylor, was the first host of the Headbangers Ball. Because, of course, as we all know, Motorhead is a heavy metal band. We are Motorhead! Play rock and roll. Jay, you are currently at two and uh, two-thirds points here out of the possible four. People get me really confused. They keep calling me Jay and not Zabe, but go ahead. If I've known you as Jay for 35 years, I'm grandfathered in on that. I gotcha. It's revenge Zabe. for Donnie. All right. Zabe, the fifth and final question. National Lampoon's vacation took the Griswold family from the beautiful city of Chicago all the way to sunny Southern California in order to visit Wally World on the ultimate family vacation. During this road trip from hell, the Griswolds were able to hit up some of America's landmarks along the way in addition to Wally World. Which of the following American landmarks did the Griswolds not visit during their trip? A. Dodge City B. The Grand Canyon B. Carlsbad Caverns or D. The Mississippi River which one did the Griswold not visit? Well, in Kansas City, they called the bartender a tenderfoot and underpants. At the Grand Canyon, uh, they emptied the cash register and put a uh, check in and, you know, looked at the Grand Canyon for two seconds. And uh, when they passed the Mississippi, he said, oh, that's the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. <laughs> 
the old miss, the old man. Deep river, <laughs> my home lies over Jordan. So the answer is Carlsbad Caverns. Bing! That is correct, Jay. So that is that is a very respectable score. You got three complete answers correct, and then you got two-thirds of the three-company answer. So three and two-thirds out of a possible five, you are truly saving Generation X, Dave. Nice. Thank you, Bill, for being part of this. I appreciate you. Anytime. If you'd like to try your hand at guest hosting this segment and share your trivia knowledge of the fun things of Generation X, just like Bill did here today, then send the judges an email at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Or, even better, go to our website at whowillsavegenx.com and leave us a voicemail. Just tap on that blue microphone icon in the lower right part of your screen and leave us a message. It's free to use and your voice might be used on an upcoming episode of the show. Speaking of which, we don't have a name for this guest host segment. If you can think of a fun Genix name to call it, then that would be something cool to leave us on the voicemail. Really, anything you have on your mind about the show, our generation, or whatever you want to share with us is fair game on the voicemail. Reach out and just say hi. Reach out and touch the last segment of the challenging stage is giving the answers to a power struggle from past shows. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. We'll take a little break and come right back. Stay where you are, stupid idiot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, have you ever thought about giving us a positive review on the podcast platform where you found us? We found listeners who have on Apple Podcasts and WD Bell Law writes, quote, it's the podcast you never knew you wanted. It will make you think, laugh, cry, itchy, and have other physical and emotional manifestations. Five stars, end quote. Thanks, WD Bell Law. Reviews like this really help others find the show. So please spread your positive thoughts about the podcast and your review might end up on an episode just like this one was. We look forward to reading what you have to say about the show. Thanks so much. Welcome back to Hot Seat. I'm Wally George. And David, did you have anything to say about my opening commentary? The power struggle. Before we leave, we're going to reveal the answers to a past power struggle. In the home game episode number 10, starring my buddy Cam, that was titled, Watch Out for That <laughs> Tree. We had a power struggle question, and it sounded just like this. I am very happy to be here. With Mokwai comes much responsibility. I am not my friend. Shut up, old man. I ain't going nowhere. He's a butthead just like his old man was. Let's reveal the answers now. Clip one was from the movie Coming to America, starring Arsenio Hall and James Earl Jones. Clip two was from the movie Gremlins. Clip three was from The Princess Bride. Clip four was the voice of Mr. T in Rocky Three. And finally, clip five was good old Biff Tannen in Back to the Future 2. No points if you just said Back to the Future. Judges, is that correct? Sorry. We threw a curveball by having all five clips from movies this episode, so you never know what's going to show up in the Power Struggle game. We will reveal more Power Struggle answers on future episodes of the Challenging Stage. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. 
We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes, where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. My question for you, Mr. Zabo. Christian Leitner. You know what? Hey, hey, you little adolescent idiot. You waste such valuable time on this fantastic intellectual show. My bad. Pervert.